Hey everybody, it's Britt, lead pastor at Sunridge. Welcome or welcome back to our teaching podcast. You know, we are on a mission here at Sunridge to help people find and follow Jesus. We believe in the good news that Jesus welcomes all regardless of how far you feel from God. That means we're a great starting point to explore Christianity or to sink your spiritual roots deep as a devoted Jesus follower. If you'd like to know more about us, just check out our website at sunridgechurch.org. And of course, we'd love to have you drop in anytime for a visit to learn and worship along with us. And now, here's our teaching for this week. My name is Jed, and it is an absolute privilege to serve as one of our pastors on staff. And I'll just have to tell you, uh, to be honest, just coming out of that song, what a wonderful moment. Uh, But quite frankly, several weeks ago, I should say a few months ago, when I heard that song for the first time, Ben had shared it with me. And oftentimes, like I do with worship music, I really struggled with the lyrics of that song. Uh, By the time we got to the bridge, uh, where it talks about God writing our story, thank you guys, and Him holding it all together. Sometimes when I listen to worship music, I get really angry, in fact, because I don't feel like it parallels my experience with life. But what a gift, what a gift to come on a Sunday morning and to hear a song like that and to feel God ministering to my heart and to not have anger this morning. And uh, I know that's surprising, right? And to instead feel the Spirit of God minister to a heart uh, that has experienced some heartache. But I know I'm not the only one in this room. And so this morning, before we get started, I want to call attention to some people that experienced some heartache, uh, but also just the joys of life. Uh, This morning, before we were in service, we had a good portion of our Mops moms outside in the courtyard. If you are part of Mops ministry, would you just give me a whoop whoop? Oh, come on, that's it? There should be more excitement. Your kids are in uh, children's ministry for a little bit, so you get a little bit of a break. Uh, we just want to say to all of our moms who are in Mops, and then to our mentor moms, our steering team, our table leaders, and we are so, so grateful for all of you. Christine was up here representing beautifully for you. And then I want to call attention to Amy Moore. Amy, would you just wave for us? There's Amy Moore back there. Uh, she's next to Pam Dvorak, our women's pastor. And Amy is our MOPS coordinator. Ames, you have done such an incredible job uh, taking over this year. So thank you so much to you and your whole team for how you serve uh, not just these moms and their families and kids, but our whole church. Thank you so, so much. Uh, And speaking of service, we should also call attention to the fact that this past Thursday, we had an opportunity to thank the many of you who have served in some form or fashion our armed forces. Uh, I grew up in a post-military family. My dad served in the Navy along with my grandfather, my great uncle, my uncles. They were all Navy or United States Marines. And so if you at any point in time, if you are current or you served in our armed forces, would you please stand for a moment so that we can just acknowledge you before those of us who are here? Yep. You can stay, you can stay standing. I know it's, I know you can stay standing. Sorry, Cal. Sorry, John. John Below. Stay standing, John. I saw you. (laughs) 
And on top of that, we know that it's not just a sacrifice for those of you who have served. If you are a family member of one who has served in our military, would you please stand with them as well? Uh, thank you. Yeah, it's awesome. Awesome. Great. Well, we can say, say, oh, you guys, let's just, can we stand together? I'd like to pray for, for you this morning. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are and for all that you've done for us and what you're doing. And God, whether uh, we have recognized our moms in the mops ministry and now those who have served in the armed forces and their families, God, in this wide spectrum, we see service, we see submission, we see a desire to put others before ourselves. In particular, God, we're thankful for our veterans, uh, those in the past and those currently who have sacrificed on our behalf and for their families. And God, we pray a blessing over them. And God, we ask that for all this, we would remember first and foremost and ultimately that our service, God, is to you, King Jesus, over any and all else. And we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, thanks for letting us do some of that this morning. We're in a series called Breakthrough, which is a series on the Bible, but it's so much more than just the Bible. It's a series on the living word, God himself, who through all of time has been attempting to break through to each and every single one of us with himself. And so it's about so much more than just what we call the Bible. And if you haven't had the opportunity I really, really want to encourage you, please go back in our sermon archives to last week. Danny Sugimoto did such an incredible job opening up this series for us. And Danny's task was to take us through from creation, so the word speaking in creation through our Old Testament, also known as the Hebrew Scriptures, the Jewish Scriptures, and talking about how God has spoken through written word and then the prophets. And then Danny got us ultimately to the incarnation, the word become flesh, Jesus Christ living among us. And so my task this morning is to take the last third of our Bibles. Danny talked about the first two and to talk a little bit of how we got and why we have what we would reference the New Testament and then the whole of this, our Bibles. And we can acknowledge that for all of us, we've been impacted in some way by the Bible, whether we have never seen it before, which I would be surprised by, or whether we are very familiar with many of its contents. I mean, there's just a whole range of us in this room. We don't need to pretend that we're all Bible scholars. We know all the answers. We just know all of us have been impacted by the Bible. And if I asked you how many of you have struggled with the Bible, I actually imagine that most of us would, if we were honest, actually raise our hands because we have been uncomfortable or uncertain with this text. And one of the reasons why we've struggled is because it is something that has come well before our present time. And one of the ways that we've described the Bible to understand it, this is your first fill in the blank, is that the Bible is commonly understood as being a library, right? You've heard that before. If you were in Bible college or from this stage, you've heard that it's more than just a single book. 
to library, 66 books that were written by multiple authors across the span of over 1,500 years, transcribed over and over and over in, in a process that took almost 400 years to canonize it in its form well after the resurrection. It's been preserved for us today. And we say that it's a library because it's filled, of course, with different genres, types of writings and different authors and the time and place. And we talk about historical and literary context. And as I'm speaking, I can imagine that some of us are like, man, that's a lot. Because there's a lot. If you and I were to walk into a big library filled with books, we might be overwhelmed a little bit. And if someone said, explain everything that's in this library, we'd think, well, that is an impossible task. And yet we've seen and know that the Bible is still one unified meta-narrative, a story of God redeeming what he has created through his son, Jesus Christ. I'd like to show you an image on the screen that you might not think is connected, but I think you're familiar with it. Anyone know what that is? Some of you are like, what is that? I'm not in geometry class. I'll show you another one. Oh, some of you are like, oh, iPhone. I understand that a little bit better. The previous image was Google Photos, and this is our iPhone photo library. So I'm going to give us a metaphor today that is not perfect. It's a metaphor. So please do not put me to task because of all the holes in this metaphor. It's a metaphor, my friends. Jesus did it all the time. Okay. So here is a way that I think we can actually understand the Bible with another metaphor, another library of sorts. And it's your next fill in the blank. The Bible can actually be understood as being like a photo library, a photo library. And you guys all know what pictures are. And if we were to click that app on your phone, whether you have an Android or an iPhone, we would come across a whole scroll or series of images captured in time that are no longer present and yet really happen. And we'd see a lot of things that might make sense to you, but might not make sense to other people. And so I took a couple screenshots. I just scrolled back into my photo library in October and uh, let's just see what happens here. Uh, it's really difficult to see, but this was taken in early October. Uh, and if you saw the location, because our photo libraries tell us where we were at the time, you'd see Fredericksburg, Virginia. Uh, there's a picture there of me holding my two nephews, Cohen and Silas. I don't get to see them very often. There's a picture of me holding a little baby, Ezra, my nephew who I'd never met before until that trip, visiting my cousin and her husband who's stationed out there. Now, there are pictures in D.C. There's Mallory there, a series of photos in front of Honest Abe sitting. And so we can see her in a present time in front of an ancient, or I should say a memorial that celebrates something ancient. So maybe you're seeing how the metaphor works a little bit here. If we go to this next, I just scroll down a little bit more. This is Kind of funny. Uh, I've got a picture. You can't see her that well, but there's baby Caitlin up at the very top. She's in our life group with her mom, Steph, and Luke and their kids. And every Thursday night, I get to hold baby Caitlin in our life group. And she's really the only reason why I'm doing life group still. Uh, let's be honest. Uh, there are pictures that's really weird of me jumping in my garage. I, that's pretty odd. Uh, I'll just say that uh, I'm turning 33 in December, decided I wanted to do something that I haven't been able to do in almost eight years, which is dunk a basketball. 
Uh, so I'm trying to do that again, but I'm not succeeding. Uh, <laughs> there's a picture of Heather's face, her eyeball in front of three cans. You can't tell if that's Heather. Uh, there's a picture of an ID, which is actually Curtis McCargo, one of our elders. See, you have no idea why that photo's there, but trust me, there's a reason. Uh, there's a picture of Lisa doing a pull-up. There's a picture there of our boys in Matthew and Lisa's backyard next to Livy. They're on the couch all cuddled together. There's a picture of uh, Thad and asleep after we came home from their house. Um, let's go to one more. Okay, so there's a, this is all just in a series, you guys. There's a picture of Truett being FaceTimed by Mal. She's showing me Truett on his birthday because he was asleep uh, when, when, so uh, she FaceTimed me so I could sing happy birthday to him. There's a picture up there of what looks like sores on my back from cupping after my disc slip from trying to dunk a basketball again. There's Truett asleep multiple times after life group, which is how I feel after life group. Uh, there's baby Beckett, uh, Danny and Cole's son. He's, he's holding my hand. We were outside for like 30 minutes uh, hanging out. Oh, and then there's a picture of food. That's weird. And then Titus is asleep there. Okay. All of those pictures, every single one captured a moment in time. And if you think about pictures are pretty miraculous, are there? And if I were really trying to stretch this metaphor for all it's worth, I would talk about how pictures and photographs have to do something about capturing light. And we can say the Bible captures light, Jesus. But I'm not going to do that. I just slid it in like that. Uh, but we know that I can make sense of every single one of those photos, but you are looking at those photos and they don't all make sense to you because it's not your life. You're familiar with people and places. Perhaps you have your way of coming to some of those things, but the Bible functions like a photo library in that way. Does that make sense for us? So let me give you another statement about the power of pictures and photos. And this is your next film, the blank. Pictures, they actually become more valuable after we no longer have the person. You know, when I look at those photographs, I can think about no longer being in Fredericksburg, Virginia, and seeing my nephews or celebrating with Mojo and Shay, who got married out there. But they're, they're still alive, and so I'm grateful for those pictures. But, you know, I look forward to seeing them again someday at least presently in this forum. I want to show you another picture uh, that's a lot more valuable to me, and it's hard to, to see from the screen. Um, that's me. Uh, I'm uh, two or so years old. I, I don't remember. I think 18 months, it says. And that shadowy figure there who's crouched down next to me is my mom. And you talk about those moms and mom's ministry and man, I love that photo. We're in my grandfather's backyard, and I don't remember it, but I'm playing with a hose, and she's crouched down next to me. When I greet children, I want to make sure that I get down on their level, and sometimes when I look at this picture, I think about my mom kind of teaching me how to do that. Make sure you're on their level, looking at them eye to eye. And that picture is really meaningful to me because my mom is no longer with us. She passed away uh, my early high school career. And so when I look at that photograph, it's a lot more special to me because she's not here. But we know, however, if for some wild reason my mom were here, 
that photo would be special. It just wouldn't be, it wouldn't be as special to me. I would actually set that photo aside. And if I had just a few minutes with my mom again, I'm telling you, I wouldn't need to take a picture with her. I would just hug her. I would cry with her. I'd want to share about what it's been like to grow up. You see the power of a person over a picture. You see, when we come to the scripture, one of the issues is that we try to make this a person. But this isn't Jesus. This isn't Jesus. So why and how do we get this? Why is this so impactful and important? Have you ever thought about why you literally have a Bible? The, the, the one cause, the one reason why you have it, what we trace it back to, here's your next fill in the blank. And this might seem oversimplified, but it is the truth. You know, the resurrection of Jesus is, is the only reason why we have the Bible. The only reason. It's the only reason. It's the only reason why we have this from cover to cover. If it were not for the resurrection of Jesus, we wouldn't be reading what we call the Old Testament those Hebrew scriptures, if it weren't for the resurrection of Jesus, we wouldn't have had reason for the last third of it to be composed. So what's interesting is that oftentimes when people talk about scripture and they talk about the word of God, they fail. And you and I fail to see that before we started calling this the word of God, it wasn't all together the way that we have it. So there's nothing wrong with calling this the word of God. That is absolutely appropriate. And if I didn't believe in it this way, I wouldn't be coming to it every single day. I wouldn't have spent time as a kid memorizing Hebrews chapter 4 and 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It pierces and penetrates, dividing soul from spirit joint from marrow. It's able to judge the secret thoughts and intentions of the heart. Or 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, where Paul's writing to Timothy and says, For all scripture is God breathed and is used for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness, so that everyone belong, everyone who belongs to God might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Wouldn't have had memorized how Peter writes in chapter 1, verses 24 through 25, or how all flesh is like the grass of the fields. And like the flowers are the glory that fail, but the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the God endures forever. This word is the good news that was announced to you. Or Hebrews chapter 1, where the author writes, Long ago God spoke to us in many various forms and ways. And through his prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us through the message of his Son. Or Danny got us last week, John chapter 1, its opening words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. You know what's fascinating about all of those verses that I have picked out, all those photos, only one of them was in reference to a written text. It was that Second Timothy passed for Paul's writing to Timothy. And if we got the picture of what Timothy was going through in that time, we would actually see that when Paul's writing all scriptures, God breathed, 
he's writing to Timothy about the Hebrew scriptures and the verses preceding, he's telling him, Timothy, you know this stuff. You know these scriptures. You learn them from birth. Don't give up on them. If you saw the picture of Timothy's life when Paul wrote to him, you would see in 2 Timothy, Timothy, this young pastor, is really, really struggling with his faith. And so several times throughout the year when I'm feeling like I'm ready to give up on all this, I read 2 Timothy. Because I'm trying to remind myself, as Paul writes to him, there's, there's a flame that can be rekindled in me. This faith, he says to Timothy, that was passed on to you from your mother Eunice and your grandmother Lois. He's saying, it's still in you, Timothy. So out of all those verses, again, only one of them was in reference to written text. The rest of them couldn't have been speaking about the whole of this because at the time it wasn't there yet. I'm not saying that we can't take those verses now and look at the whole of this. But again, hear me, those pictures that were given to us were taken the time before this was all put together. Next week when Brit shares, you're going to get to hear all about this long process of this being put together. It's going to be wonderful. So come back for that. Let me show you some passages of Scripture that show us that the only reason why we have the Bible is because of the resurrection and how it is so much more the Word than just these living words. John, at the conclusion of his gospel, the very last words say, but there are also many other things that Jesus did. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that the whole world itself could not contain the books that were written. You see that? That's a lot, right? Clearly, there's so much that Jesus has done in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 12, Peter, another disciple, very late in his life, the end of his life perhaps, says, therefore I intend to keep on reminding you of these things, though you know them already and are established in the truth that has come to you. I think it right as long as I'm in this body to refresh your memory. Right? Peter is writing about these things that have already happened. In 1 John, in the opening words, we declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we've looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. This life was revealed and we have seen it and testified to it and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. We declare to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ, we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. If you skip a letter over 2 John, if you want to read one book of the Bible today, a short one, read 2 John. It's really short. You'll finish in about five minutes. Verse 12, he writes, Although I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. I don't know if you're picking up what I'm putting down, but all of these authors are saying, there's a lot more that I could have written. There's a lot more that I could have included. But the only reason why they're sharing is because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Now, we could spend time this morning talking about how the resurrection was a real event in history. And the fact that we can try and falsify it says that there is so much that does show us there's great convincing evidence and proof. And that would be a great message, but that's not what we want to do today. Instead, 
I want to talk about how the resurrection gives us what we have as the New Testament, which completes what we have as the Bible. And so here's your next fill in the blank. The New Testament, which is what I've been referencing and reading out of, is filled with pictures and photos of Christ and the church. That's what the New Testament is. Uh, several years ago, I was uh, at a concert. This was, I don't even know how long ago. Uh, some of you know that when I was a kid, I said that I wanted to be a country music superstar. I know, I know. I was born in the wrong south, San Diego. And I realized I might not be the right, you know, complexion for that. But I've always loved country music. And when Mal and I were dating, uh, we got to see Tim McGraw and Kenny Chesney. Such a good show. And I can remember uh, they're, they're down there, and we were up in the nosebleeds, and, you know, Tim McGraw seemed skydiving. I was Rocky Mountain climbing in 2.7 seconds on a bull named Blue Man Jude. <laughs> and not, okay, I won't do that. Anyway, uh, but what I love about that time is we were just all singing. You know, we were just all singing. Well, several years later, I got to see Kenny Chesney in concert again, and we were up in the nosebleeds, but life had changed kind of drastically. And instead of like having, you know, people's, you know, their red cups and singing and all that stuff, uh, at this concert now, people were watching Kenny Chesney through their phone. And I just kept thinking like, I, I know it's great that you'll get to watch this again someday. Basically, our, our, our phones are kind of like the old camcorder videos. I know that. So it's not like we haven't been doing things like this. But she kept thinking, you're just going to watch the whole concert through your phone? Put that thing down and enjoy the moment. Right? The New Testament, a lot of it was written with the phone off to the side and them living in that moment and experiencing it. And so what we have, the recording of it after Jesus has risen from the dead is showing us what is happening to this people. So a question is, if the New Testament is giving us photos or photographs or portraits or pictures of Jesus in the church, we can ask, well, who is Jesus? And we can say, well, let's read our Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We can see portraits of Christ there that were written actually after the resurrection when they needed to preserve his memory post him rising from the dead and him ascending and his teaching. And then we have the rest of the New Testament, which is really about the church. So the question is, what is the church? What is the church? If I asked you, what is church or what is the church? You know, we get all sorts of answers, right? Some of us would say, well, I'm at church right now. And some of us would say, well, no, 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 the, the church in the building, it's, it's not a place, it's, it's people. Some of us might say, well, it's, it's not just Sunridge in one small space, it's, it's the ecumenical, it's the big C church. Some of us want to get fancy and talk about ecclesiology and our structure and our theology about what the church is. So when we say church, when we see our Bible and we see the New Testament, we see the word church, more often than not, it is translated from the Greek word ekklesia. It's your next fill in the blank. And this wasn't a religious word. You know, Christians were really good about taking secular terms and actually adopting it into our faith tradition. You know, the word, the word, 
right? So in, in John chapter 1, and Megs, you can leave this up for a little bit because I'm going to reference it, but in John chapter 1, it says the Word was God and the Word was with God. The idea of the logos or the logos, the Word, that was a secular idea in Greek philosophy, the idea of this Word being so much bigger. And so the disciples and Christians took that idea, this secular idea, and they said, no, 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 this is Christ. This is Christ. And in a similar way, they take this secular term, ecclesia, which is just an assembly. It's just a gathering of people called out ones who would be called from their homes and in the public spaces where they would talk about matters of government or what have you. This term ecclesia was then taken to describe these new Christians, these followers of the way. And so we can have all these discussions about what the church is and what it means, but we can start by just acknowledging that originally it was just people who were gathered in places. And what distinguishes these followers of Jesus, of course, is what? That they believe a guy rose from the dead. That's craziness. It's absurd, you guys. I've said that many times before. It's absurd. It really is absurd. But that is what gathered these people. They were called out, transferred, as Bob read earlier, from this dominion of darkness and rescued into the kingdom of the sun, this light, because they believed that Jesus rose from the dead. So here is a definition of the church that I hope will be helpful for you. The church, when we talk about the church, we can say a local and global movement of people who are learning to respond to Christ, risen from the dead. Local and global, a movement of people learning to respond to Christ, risen from the dead. I'm going to read a long section of scripture. It'll be the last long one that I read today. It's coming from the picture of Colossians, the photograph of Colossians, all right? Real time and place, real people. Notice the ways that we hear local, global, learning to respond to Christ risen from the dead. It's all in here. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ in Colossae. All right, there's a local. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. In our prayers for you, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, you have heard of this hope before in the word of the truth, the gospel that has come to you. Just as it is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world. See how we're getting global here. So from the day, excuse me, you heard it and truly comprehended the grace of of God. This you learned from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard it, we have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him as you bear fruit in every good work and as you grow up in the knowledge of God. And may you be made strong all the strength that comes from his glorious power. And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. 
He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for in him all things in heaven and on earth were created things visible and invisible, were the thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile all things to himself, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. See that picture that we get? If you're coming to this photo library, it would have location, it'd have Colossians, have all these pictures of people. You might not know Epaphras, right? Who's Epaphras? Right? We have these pictures of this place in time. They're talking about a local place who is a part of this global movement who are responding by trying to learn what it means to follow Jesus Christ risen from the dead. It, however, is 2021. It's November, and we're not those people, right? So one of the things I encourage you, and you don't have to do this now, you can do this later, you can talk about this later. Ask yourself this question, what is my experience with church and what I believe it's supposed to be? Have that conversation with one another, because what you will find is that all of us have ways of answering that question, and more often than not, what we believe about church or how we experience it to be always comes down to our encounters and experience more than likely with just other people in real places. So we're going to start closing this up by returning to the whole of this Bible. Let's return to this Bible. I have one more step further that we can take metaphorically when we come to this text. And I hope that this is encouraging for those of us in the room who didn't go to Bible college, who feel sometimes intimidated by this library or this book, who have struggled with it, or maybe you did get to do those things, but perhaps the Bible at different periods of your life felt more like a textbook, or maybe you've just struggled to come to this in recent times. Here's a a way that we can push past that metaphor and perhaps come to this with fresh eyes and a renewed heart. Your next fill in the blank is, I believe one of the ways that we can look at the Bible is seeing it like it's our family album. Uh, The other week, uh, I showed that in this album, which is actually my baby album. He's our oldest son, and it was wild to see him come to this, and just, he was looking at it for the first time, going through these pictures. It was funny watching him do that. Here's your next fill in the blank. When we come to the Bible as a family album, we view it admirably, distanced, but there's this odd sense of closeness to it. You see, when Thaddeus was looking at this, he wasn't in this time. This predated him. It was before his life, but he was actually starting to see things that were reminiscent of his little brother, Truy. He kept saying, Dad, is that, is that Truy? And it's funny, when Truy sees pictures of me, he doesn't ask, he just is like, that's me, that's me, that's me. He just assumes it's him. Thaddeus, as he's a little bit older, and go, actually, no, that can't be Truy, Dad. And he asks, is that you? He's a little bit older, but he's old enough and mature enough to understand that when he comes to this, it's actually not Truy, and it's not 
him. He's a part of it, but there's some distance here. And that's us when we come to our Bible. We're in this family, but there is a lot of time that separates us from this. I mean, over 2,000 years. And so it makes sense that when we come to it, there's like a, okay, what do I do with this? It would be really impactful if instead of always trying to figure out what to do with it, we, we walked through it and read it the way that Thadden looked at this photo album. I encourage you, if you're looking for a challenge to read your Bible in a new way, in this next week or so, pick parts of the New Testament. Instead of coming to it to explore things or learn things, just read it, right? And come to it like it's a family album, this treasured book and thing that's giving you a sense of something bigger than just you. You see our propensity to say, that's me, that's me, that's me. It misses some of it. There's so much in here for us, but there's a way that we come to it and admire it. Here's your next fill in the blank. We come to this as an album. We're connected by the tension. We're confronted by the dysfunction and we're challenged by the success of their stories. What do I mean by confronted by, or excuse me, connected by the tension? You can write this in your margins if you're looking for ways to read through and see tension in your New Testament. Uh, read the letter to the Hebrews, read Hebrews, read Galatians. Um, if, if Hebrews and Galatians in particular, I mean, those are places where these earliest believers are struggling with what it says in their scriptures, the Old Testament, and what is happening because of Jesus the Christ. I'm telling you, read Hebrews again in Galatians. You'll see they're like, what do we do? Because our Bible says this, but then Jesus is calling us and inviting us into something that feels like it's a tension with that. If you want to be confronted by dysfunction, again, you can write this in your margins. Uh, read First and Second Corinthians. Oh my goodness. Uh, those are some really wild churches that are going through tons of stuff. You will see that the Holy Spirit does a good job not letting us just kind of curate this image that's perfect, right? You're not just going to get to delete pictures out of your family album because you don't like them or someone's face looks like this. You know, we just leave them in. Just, just look at it. Just see like, okay, all right. We're still messed up. Great. Let's move on. <laughs> Challenged by the success of their stories. I mean, if you want to see the family album just beautiful, uh, read First Thessalonians. Oh my gosh, a heartfelt letter. There's just so much warmth and tenderness there. And then you can read about the success through obstacles and challenges by reading the book of Acts. And here's your next fill in the blank. If you come to this like a family album, we instinctively know that the purpose isn't to recreate every picture because instead we're marveling in actual life. And you're like, Jed, well, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, I just do what the Bible says. And we've talked about that before from this stage. It's not so simple as just saying we just do what the Bible says because the Bible says lots and lots of things. And it can be really difficult to take pictures from this time and just like recreate it in our way. And that's sometimes where we get into trouble. Uh, let me show you a really cute picture. Um, that's cute. Uh, actually, it's not that cute. <laughs> Babies can look like aliens. Uh, but you know, it gets worse. Let me just show you this. Oh, man, that's so bad. All right, let's just move. That is so bad. I'm sorry. Wow. You know, this one is sweet to me. This is like a first Thessalonians. There's uh, a mom and her daughter on graduation. Let's, let's see the next one. Oh, that's a great recreating of a photo. 
There is the mom who was graduating now with her daughter. All right, uh, let's see another one. Oh, that's cute. That's cute. You guys are ready for this. Go ahead. Oh, <laughs> you see, that one's not terrible. Like, you see how, like, there's still sweetness to that. They're, they're, they're genuinely trying to recreate something, and that's good. That's good. It's a little odd, but it's working, you know. Here's one of me. Oh, are you guys ready? No, there's nothing. I just, <laughs> nothing's coming after. <laughs> Woo! Don't worry, you guys. I'm not that terrible of a person. I would like to invite the band up to this stage. You're like, what an odd transition. Don't worry. Don't worry. We're not done yet. I just need to get off the stage because there's lots coming after me. Here's your next one, the blank. We choose our favorites. We actually choose our favorites. When it comes to the Bible, when it comes to the New Testament, there's no way around it, you guys. You have to admit that like a photo album, we actually choose our favorites. You and I aren't familiar with every single verse in here, and there's a reason why we pick and choose the ones that we do. And you know, when Jesus is walking around, he shows what it's like for people to pick and choose their favorites. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verses 26, this is... Going in, uh, Jesus is being confronted. He's asked this question, right? Our boys have been memorizing this in children's ministry. I love it. Uh, Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus' teacher. What must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, this is the person who asked the question. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You've given the right answer. Do this and you will live. It'd be great if it stopped there, but the person but wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? What was written there wasn't good enough. He, he had some other things that he, he wanted Jesus to say about him. It really wasn't his favorite. He wanted to inherit eternal life. Jesus is giving him the response. You know what it says, do this. And Jesus didn't say you'll inherit eternal life. He says you will actually get to live right now. But look at a different way the Shema is brought up when Jesus is asked about his favorite. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these commandments hang all the law and the prophets. You see how Jesus majors there? You know, there are a lot of churches these days that are using the Bible and they're picking out their favorites to say a whole lot of things. A whole lot of things. And we could do that too, Sunridge Community Church. We really could. But what a gift to be a part of a local body in this global world whose mission statement is to help people find and follow Jesus, which is consistent with the mission that Jesus gave his disciples, to go and make disciples of all nations, which is consistent with Paul writing to that church in Corinth, that we've been given this ministry of reconciliation, all of these things that we major on, loving the Lord our God and loving our neighbors, means that there are going to be times when as a church, and you've seen this perhaps in the last year, where people are going to look at us and say, Sunridge, you're doing that wrong. It says this. 
And we can also say, through the Holy Spirit and the people here and the risen Lord, we're asking ourselves hard questions and we're doing our best to steward what it means to love the Lord our God with all of our being and to love our neighbors as ourselves. So here's your last one, the blank. We continue to have breakthroughs because we actually have the person. That's why you and I have these light bulb moments. That's what we can have here in this place together. Jesus says, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. He's with us. Would you stand and join us as we worship through song, celebrate the fact that it's because of Jesus and his resurrection that we get to be the church. Hey everybody, it's Britt again. Thanks for listening. If you need something, if you have a question, or you'd just like us to pray for you, you can reach us through email, info at sunridgechurch.org. We hope you'll listen in again next week, but in the meantime, keep helping people find and follow Jesus.